All right, I think, I think now is when I'm supposed to get up. Uh, <laughs> I am excited to preach this morning. Um, this morning, we are continuing a series that we, we started quite a while back. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Kyle and I went down to Pepperdine University this last week. We got to participate in the Pepperdine Bible Lectures, um, and it was wonderful. It was very encouraging, very edifying. I feel uplifted. Um, I was telling uh, Craig and Mara, Mike Cope, who is the organizer of the Pepperdine Lectures, got up and he shared. He said, you know, for a lot of you who are uh, church leaders, preachers, elders, whatever your role in the church happens to be, the last year, has, or last couple of years, he said, have probably felt like you took that donut out of the back of the car that's rated for about 20 to 50 miles, and you stuck it on there to make those last 20 to 50 miles, and now you're looking at about 200 or 500 or 1,000 miles on that, that donut, uh, and you need some refreshment and refilling, and it's time to take that donut off and put the full-size tire on. And that was kind of how it felt in a lot of ways. Uh, sometimes you're so tired you don't even realize how tired you are. Uh, tired, tired. I'm not going to try and make a pun there. Um, but Ben knows where I was going. Thank you, Ben. I can always count on Ben to appreciate bad puns. Um, I had a friend of mine ask me, so what are you preaching on this Sunday? The great thing about being at, uh, at Pepperdine is that you get a lot of other ministers together, and you all start talking about what it is that you're going to preach on, what you've been preaching on. Um, I have a buddy of mine that we talked about how he preached on the Sermon on the Mount for an entire year. And I had told him I felt really good about my preaching on it because it was, you know, multiple weeks, we covered the whole thing, and I felt really good about it. And he said, I preached for 52 sermons on the Sermon on the Mount. And I was like, ah, I don't know how long I'd last if I did that. Um, (laughs) That said, we've been going through the Gospel of John, and we've been going through fairly slowly. He he asked what I was preaching on this Sunday. He wanted to know if it was going to be a Mother's Day-oriented sermon, and I told him what I think I've told you before— I don't think that far ahead uh, oftentimes. And so Norma can attest, this this week I was really excited about Mother's Day. We got the flowers, but I'd not thought about preaching a Mother's Day sermon. Fortunately, our sermons are arranged in such a way that next week's sermon is not this week's sermon because next week's sermon is on the adulterous woman, and that might not have gone very well on a Mother's Day. And so uh, I'm going to say that God was very providential in, in helping me plan my sermon calendar this year. Instead, what we're talking about this morning is the second appearance of Nicodemus in John's Gospel. Um, I had mentioned when we encountered Nicodemus for the first time in John chapter 3 that what we see there is a man who we get little glimpses of his journey with Jesus over the course of this gospel. He appears three times, first in John 3, and then here in John chapter 7, and then after the crucifixion, he appears. And each time that we encounter him, I think that there is, the reason John draws on this fairly obscure individual is that I think he has a message in the story of Nicodemus for us. And so, the best way I can think of to start talking about Nicodemus is to talk about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. I, uh, I don't know how the YouTube algorithm works. I have a suspicion. I've been doing a lot of like reading and, and study on uh, the foundation 
of Disneyland, which sounds like, what in the world are you doing with all of that? But I have a lot of passion and interest in Disneyland in general, and I watched a whole uh, YouTube video about the making of the ride, the Pirates of the Caribbean, and for a while, all I was getting in my recommendation feed were like Johnny Depp Pirates of the Caribbean movie recommendations, like, hey, you know, here's a behind-the-scenes clip or something. And I watched a couple of those, and then this whole trial between Johnny Depp and Amber Heard started. Now, if you don't know who these people are, that's okay. You're probably a healthier individual than the rest of us who do. Johnny Depp married Amber Heard, and for a period of time, uh, they were a quirky, strange Hollywood couple. And usually what that means is that to the public, they seem fun and and exciting, and behind the scenes, things are highly dysfunctional. And it's come out very recently that, in fact, yes, things behind the scenes were highly dysfunctional. And it's beginning to look more and more like this this trial is going to become a media sensation. In fact, uh, Day 15, Newsweek, wants you to know how you can stream the trial live. Isn't that such a strange thing? Like, the last time I remember people really being super excited, or the first time I remember them being super excited about watching a trial was, like, the O.J. Simpson trial. And, like, everyone, I was too young to really understand what was going on, but I know everyone was talking about O.J. Simpson. And, like, the if they do not fit, you must acquit, right? And that's, like, the only thing I really know about it. But these two, they're in the news for days upon days upon days, and that's all YouTube wants to recommend to me right now. I have no interest in watching this trial, but there are a lot of people who do. See, we, we want to hear testimony when it's salacious and exciting and it involves big, crazy personalities. We want to hear other people's explanation of a particular event. We, we want multiple sides to an account, and if we can kind of salivate over the gory details of things, all the better. And what we find in John chapter 7 is this strange account of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, the people that John calls the Jews, really anxious about Jesus. And they're really busy gathering from the court of public opinion who Jesus is and formulating ideas about what he's about and who he, who he claims to be and the things he does and whether or not he is in fact a righteous man or an unrighteous man. It's salacious. It's exciting. It's the sort of thing that kind of makes us you know, want to know a little bit more about him. And so we find here that it says, when they heard these words, some of the people said, this really is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem? Now, we all know, because we've read the stories, that Jesus did come from Bethlehem. But these people, they don't know Jesus. Most of them won't even talk to him. Instead, there's just a lot of speculation about him. Hey, we've heard that there's this guy doing some miracles. We've heard that he's teaching some pretty radical and crazy things. But you know what? A lot of people really seem to have some kind of sense of faith in him. They're excited about him. 
Let's start kind of speculating here. Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was a division among the people over him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. This is kind of like those big trials that end up being streamed, right? Is, uh, is Johnny Depp the one at fault? Is Amber Heard the one at fault? Was O.J. Simpson really a murderer? You know, those, those are questions that we find ourselves asking, and people debate about them, and they want to know whether or not they, you know, stand on the right side of a particular issue. And they all have their disagreements about what's going on. There's only one judge. There's only one person in, in a case like Johnny Depp and Amber Heard's, which is a defamation case. One person that finally gets to decide what's going to go down after the trial. We all get to weigh in. We all get to speculate. And that's what people are doing with Jesus here. The officers then came to the chief priests and the Pharisees who said to them, why did you not bring him? Remember, they're trying to arrest Jesus. They've sent these officers off to bring Jesus back to them. They want to arrest him. Why did you not bring him here? The officers answered, no one ever spoke like this man. These are people who have heard Jesus. They're not speculating about what they've seen. They've been sent to arrest him, but as they hear him teach, they are amazed at what he has to say. Maybe it's the nature of how he says things. Maybe it's the specific instruction that he offers. The funny thing about it, and Kyle pointed this out last week, we're not really told what Jesus is teaching at this time. We're just told that people are coming to hear him teach. And for some people, this is a really awful thing. Oh my goodness, I can't believe what he's teaching. And for other people, it's really exciting. Oh my goodness, I can't believe what he's teaching. This is wonderful. This is horrible, right? This is everybody has their opinion on it. But at least some of them are forming their opinion based on what they've actually seen and what they've actually heard. But that's not how the Sanhedrin works. The Pharisees answered them, have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. See, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are not so interested in going and listening to Jesus. Now, we know that some of them have heard what he had to say. But usually in a big, large, crowded setting, right? Uh, In fact, if you go all the way back to where we're reading about John, we see that the Pharisees and Sadducees have come out, and they've heard John preach, and they've heard what it is he has to say. And some of them witnessed what happens at the baptism of Jesus, but very few of them go and actually talk to Jesus. In fact, up to this point, the only person among this crowd that we have encountered actually going and asking Jesus who he is And what he's about is Nicodemus. And these Pharisees here, they say, hey, you know what? If he was the real deal, we'd believe in him. Not one of us believes in him. And they're all looking around at each other thinking, right? Yeah, you guys have my back. And then Nicodemus pipes up. He says, do our laws 
judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? And the Pharisees, hold on a second. We were pretty confident that none of us were on that page, that we were all pretty much ready to condemn him right here and now. Uh, Hold on a second. Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet rises from Galilee. It's so funny because one moment they're confidently asserting, hey, there are none of us that would believe this guy. You know, we're not going to go out and listen to him teach. We're not going to go listen to to what he has to say. We don't want to hear his gory details, but we're happy to speculate about the reasons that he should be executed. Notice, none of us believe. Nicodemus, shut your mouth. Who is this guy anyway? Are you a Galilean too? See, Nicodemus has talked to Jesus. Nicodemus has heard his words. He's had a personal encounter with the man. What Nicodemus knows about Jesus is not just speculation. It's not based on unfounded rumors. It's not based on some kind of uh, hearsay that's been, that's actually been my, my favorite thing about watching live trials, is how often something falls into hearsay. That's the biggest problem with the way that most people encounter the world. They are forming their conclusions and their opinions based not on what they have personally experienced or seen or heard, but on what other people have told them. On third-party accounts. Nicodemus says, have you even talked to the man? Liberal paraphrase there, I recognize. But I think that's maybe the question that lies at the root of all of this. Have have you talked to the man? A good way to know who Jesus is and what he's about is to talk to him. To let him speak for himself. Because there are crowds out there that have opinions formed about Jesus. Some of those opinions are founded on personal encounters. Some of those opinions are founded based on interactions with people who follow Jesus. Some of those opinions are good opinions. Some of those opinions are bad opinions. But the best way to know who Jesus is is to talk to the man. There are a lot of voices in our world that want to tell us what Jesus is about. I'm I'm one of them, I'll admit, this morning. I want to tell you what I believe Jesus is all about, and I'm going to try and do it from Scripture. I'm going to try and use his words to describe him and defend him well. If I'm going to be an advocate for Jesus, I want to try and make sure that what I am sharing, what I am offering, is going to be the words of Jesus. Sometimes I'm going to make mistakes. But I think you all know where to go to find the words of Jesus. So when I make mistakes, ideally, your opinion of Jesus isn't solely informed by the fallacy, the flaw in Chris's thinking or logic. I preached to you about, I was going to say an hour a week. Sometimes it probably feels like that. About 25 to 30 minutes most weeks. 
That's down like 15 minutes from when I started. <laughs> Pat on the back for myself at the moment. But you have an entire week ahead of you. There are going to be a lot of voices in your life between now and next Sunday. There are going to be a lot of people that want to tell you what Jesus wants you to do, think, believe, how he wants you to treat people. Is one of those voices for you going to be Jesus? Because the truth is, a lot of these voices are very loud. A lot of these voices have really strong opinions. A lot of these voices want you to think and act and behave like them, and they will place their opinions on the seat of our Lord and Savior. Actually, the whole theme at Pepperdine this year was no other Jesus. And there was a lot of discussion about how Jesus himself is who he is. We don't get to dictate who Jesus is or what he cares about or the ways in which he's going to be who he is. And there are a lot of people that want him to be someone else. We talked about Jesus' brothers who are like, hey, if you're going to be a public figure, it's time to get down there and be really public about who you are and make some bold proclamations and be public at the feast so that people see you do the miracles. And you know, that would be really convenient for us as well. But that's not who Jesus is. Jesus' brothers don't get to decide who Jesus is. Jesus' followers don't get to decide who Jesus is. When Peter tells Jesus, hey, you got to stop talking about dying on a cross, Jesus doesn't say, you know what, you're right, I've been wrong about what I'm here to do. He tells him, get behind me, Satan. It's possible, even for people who love Jesus very deeply, to have the wrong idea about who Jesus is. It's also possible for people who want things from us to misrepresent Jesus to us. I want to tell you this morning, I don't need either of these men to tell me who Jesus is. To tell me what it means to be a good citizen of the kingdom of heaven. In fact, if they're the ones that are telling me who Jesus is, I've got to ask what the agenda is. You probably feel that way too, right? I don't need either of these men to tell me how to be a good father or husband. I don't need them to tell me what it means to be a good neighbor. And I definitely don't need either of these men to tell me what it means to be a good neighbor, to love the people in my life well. In fact, I think if we're taking what it means to be a good neighbor from these two fellows, we're probably going to you know, get ourselves slapped or we're going to be the ones being the aggressors in a slapping match. You know who I need to tell me what is expected of me? Is Jesus. The one that's going to tell me how to be a good father to my children the one that's going to tell me how to deal with difficult people in my life. The one who's going to tell me what it looks like to lay down my life for others. The one who tells me who he is 
when all the voices around me want to misrepresent him. This week, we have the opportunity to either be like the Pharisees and say, you know what? I already know who Jesus is. I've heard the testimony from a thousand different directions, and what I really care about is this opinion that's been formulated here and fed to me over and over and over and over again. That's who Jesus is going to be for me. I don't need any further information. And you know what? All me and my buddies were good. Just shut up, Nicodemus. We all need to hear the words of Nicodemus. Do we... Put a man on trial without hearing him first? Or do we make assumptions about who Jesus is based on what the world around us wants us to believe? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we confess that there is only one Jesus. That there are a lot of people who would like to make him over in their image. Who would like to sell us a Jesus who is quite different from the one that we experience in Scripture. And we ask that we have the strength, the fortitude, the resolve to worship the Christ that we know to be found in Scripture. To hear his words, to marvel that no one has ever spoken like this find ourselves amazed by the ways in which he defies our expectations. And as the world around us competes for our allegiance, as it competes for our attention, as it tries to conform us to an image of Jesus that simply cannot be found in text, in the scripture that you've provided to us, help us to stand boldly, conforming ourselves to the image that we find in scripture. It's all this that we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, if you have need of the church, if you need someone to walk alongside you, to help you find Jesus in Scripture, to spend time just carrying your burdens with you, and we want to make sure that you have that opportunity. I'm going to be at the back of the auditorium. Our elders are here this morning. They'd be happy to pray with you. We have some ladies here that would be happy to sit alongside you and pray with you as well. But we want to make sure that you know the Jesus that we have found. The Jesus who proclaims himself in full, vivid detail. And if that's what you're looking for today, we want to help you find him. We'd invite you to join us as we stand and sing.